welcome to the Vintage Saints and Sinners podcast. I'm Karen Wright Marsh. Do you wonder if Christian faith can be truly lived in today's complex and changing world? Well, this is the place to find broken and beautiful companions for your everyday pilgrimage. Here, you'll find embodied witnesses, Christians from different eras and different cultures. They're people we sometimes call saints, but they were also sinners, just like you and me. Today, I'm here to tell you the story of Juana Inez de la Cruz with author and religion commentator Caitlin Beatty. I'm happy you're here with us. times have you been encouraged to find your passion? Well, I think it's difficult for many of us, but it was not difficult for Juana Inez de la Cruz, a feisty Mexican girl with one sustaining passion, knowledge. At only three years old, Juana convinced her older sister to teach her to read and write. Then she heard that in Mexico City there was a college, and she began pestering her mother to dress her in men's clothes so she could sneak in and study. Her grandfather's library was filled with books, and she ranged from literature to science, philosophy to theology and languages. Her intellectual discipline and drive led to some pretty quirky habits. As a little girl, she heard that eating cheese made you stupid, and so she determined to abstain from eating all cheese, even though she loved it. And when she couldn't master some subject, she would cut off her hair, convinced that if her head was empty of facts, it should be empty of curls. Clearly, this girl had a future as an academic, but it was 17th century Mexico, and the authorities were male, traditional, Catholic, Spanish colonialists. And Juana Inez was a girl. She was even the daughter of unwed parents. Her birth was not even recorded in the church registry. Her very existence was off the books, but not for long. This girl from the middle of nowhere knew exactly what she was and what she wanted, and she got herself out of that small town and made her way to Mexico City, the center of her universe. At only 13, she was named a lady-in-waiting to the court of the Viceroy and Vice Wren who were the sovereigns of Spain ruling the New World colony. The viceroy noticed the young girl and saw an opportunity for amusement. He called together the 40 finest mathematicians, philosophers, historians, and theologians and set up a 17th century battle of the brains. Juana Inez sat before all of the men, and she outwitted and charmed them all. At 16 years old, Juana had achieved worldly sophistication and local fame. I love her quote. She says, Of all my country, I was the venerated figure, one of those idols that inspire the general applause. She had a gift of extraordinary intellect, and she fully intended to use it, saying, 
I do not value treasures or riches. It always gives me more pleasure to put wealth in my thought than thought in my wealth. Juana's desire was freedom to study undisturbed. The royal court's endless rounds of balls, gallantries, and entertainments, she saw all that as a distraction. A respectable marriage was out of the question. I mean, she had sketchy family credentials and no dowry money. And so she left this realm of society and took the only one path available to her, and that was to become a nun. At the convent of San Jeromino, the new sister, Juana Inez, was required to attend prayer at fixed hours. She contributed some light work as the convent accountant. But other than that, her time was pretty much her own. She found in the convent independence and tranquility to cultivate her love of study. Each nun at the convent was given private living quarters, servants, kitchen, bath, sleeping quarters, and a parlor. And her corner cell had two floors and a beautiful view of the Valley of Mexico. There, she had a personal collection of books, sacred and secular, works of art, musical, and scientific instruments, and in time came to hold the largest library in all of Mexico, right there in her convent rooms. Juana Inez de la Cruz wrote widely. She produced religious and secular plays, verses for dance tunes, sacred poems, love poems, comedies, philosophy, even an autobiographical defense of the right of women to study. Her works were published and they were performed. She became known as the most erudite woman in Mexico, a poet and playwright celebrated across the Western Hemisphere. Now, as a cloistered woman, of course, she was never permitted to leave the convent, ever. But the world came to her. She received correspondence from learned persons across the Spanish dominions, even Europe. She received visits from academics and courtly socialites who came to her parlor for literary and philosophical salons. Juan Inez taught seminars, poetry, and plays. They debated ideas together. You might wonder, okay, she was a nun. Why didn't she write more theology and devotional writing? What about her personal life with God? Well, there were very good reasons to be careful about wearing her beliefs on her sleeve. The deadly Spanish Inquisition was in full force in colonial Mexico. The inquisitors were enforcing medieval church doctrines and the disciplines of what they called the true faith. Those priests said, God does not want women meddling in writings that breed arrogance. And so Juana Inez said, Let sacred matters be left to those who understand them. I want no trouble with the holy office. Better and safer to write poetry and drama and express a deep commitment to God more through literary theology on the topic of God's beauty. In fact, she's often called the first woman theologian of the Americas. After years of following God's call into the scholarly artistic life, abruptly, Juana Inez renounced her public life and took a vow of silence. She gave away all of her beloved books, her treasures, the scientific instruments that she had collected so carefully. Why? 
Many feel, of course, that she submitted to pressure from the church men who were critical of her expanding renown. But we will never really know, because two years after this renunciation of all that she loved, Juana Inez died of illness while serving for the sick in her own convent. We are left only with the words that she spoke before she went silent. If my intellect is my own, why must I always find it so keen to harm me? The Vintage Saints and Sinners podcast is the audio companion to my book, Vintage Saints and Sinners, 25 Christians Who Transformed My Faith. To learn more, come on by my website, karenwrightmarsh.com. Please rate and review this podcast on iTunes and invite your friends to join us. Now for my conversation about Juana Inez de la Cruz with Caitlin Beatty. Well, I am delighted to welcome my friend Caitlin Beatty uh, to join the conversation. She's the author of A Woman's Place, A Christian Vision for Your Calling in the Office, the Home, and the World. Caitlin has also written for the New York Times, The New Yorker, The Washington Post, Religion News Service, and Religion and Politics. She's currently the acquisitions editor for Brazos Press and has served as the editor of Christianity Today magazine, and she lives in Brooklyn. Caitlin, thank you so much for joining me today. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. So let's talk about Juana Inez de la Cruz. I'm interested Mm. to know, Caitlin, are you yourself like Juana Inez in any ways? (laughs) You know, unfortunately, I only recently learned about Juana Inez. Um, She was not a saint that I had ever been exposed to, which I, I think is one very unfortunate and and speaks to the ways that Christian history overlooks um, certain figures, either women or non-European saints. So I was really grateful to learn about her and her life. I definitely resonate with the sense that we get from her biography that from a very young age, she loved learning that the experience of gaining knowledge about the world would just brought her a sort of natural delight and that her learning was truly like a great humanities yeah. <laughs> um, it, uh, course that it was wide ranging that she appreciated the arts and poetry as much as she did, you know, science and some of the more kind of rational or or logical ways of learning. And so I think her story reminds us that God gives us minds to, to grow, to learn, and to delight in all the facets of the world that God has created. And so I think that she, she gives us a really beautiful model of, of what that could look like. And I think, you know, from a Christian perspective, we might say that that speaks to what what God gave her to do from a vocational perspective, that her true self was reflected and expressed when she was learning, and that that, that was something that God had given her to do with her time on earth. I guess I'm curious to know what you think about this dilemma of God giving her this great gift that is so core to who she is, and yet the situation in which she's forced to give it all up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think that 
it's it's natural to read Juana Inez's life story and think, gosh, I hope God doesn't call me to something similar. <laughs> yes. Um, that, you know, we we experience things that bring a natural delight and that seem to express our our true selves. And then of course, when we experience that fulfillment and joy, we fear that it will be stripped away. And either either from you know life circumstances or constraints of our surrounding culture and authorities of the time, or that God would actually you know ask us to give up those good things. And I think Juana Inez's story brings this question to the surface of whether obedience is always about you know stepping away from the things that bring us happiness, and is that what holiness looks like, you know, can, can happiness and holiness coexist? Um, I do wonder if in kind of an individualistic American evangelical context, we might need to make more space for, for, for recognizing our own limitations and to recognize that God's highest good for us is not the fulfillment of the American dream. <laughs> yes, <laughs> you know, God, they're not the same thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, you know, to be married with kids, with a two-car garage, with a, a mortgage, living in a beautiful neighborhood with a, a good school system. I mean, all of those things are good in and of themselves, but that that's not necessarily the highest good that God has for us. And I think, you know, most people at the end of the day face the reality of suffering and the fact that their desire, all their desires don't come to fruition, or even when they get what they desire, there's still hardship and difficulty. Mm-hmm. Um, so this all, this all sounds very like cynical or, <laughs> or kind of a downer, but I, I do think that I, looking back, I wish that I had had a little bit more discipleship around the the necessity of obedience and and sacrifice and that God's highest good wasn't always hasn't always been I just want to give you whatever you want at any given moment you know right yeah I think the thing about Juana Inez her story is that she's so clearly forced to sacrifice because of the people in authority over her mm-hmm, and that mm-hmm. that her suffering it didn't seem to accomplish any good for the community. Right. Um, right. And that's, that's tragic, uh, as opposed to life giving. Yeah. And we should be careful not to baptize forms of oppression <laughs> Sure, <laughs> with a yeah. sort of, well, that's what God desires, or that's what God wills for your life. I, I think it's fair to say that it was a tragedy that Juana Inez, for whatever reason, we don't know all the details, but stopped her love of learning and felt like she had to give that up. And I think, you know, going back to the verse about Jesus coming to bring life and to bring life in the fullest, I do think at the end of the day, even if there is sacrifice and pain involved in our lives, that we can always trust that God's will for us is always to have life abundantly. And that there is no part of God that delights in suffering for its own sake. 
you know, and that it's, yes. it's a mystery, of course, all of this is a mystery, but I think the character of God and the will of God toward us is always for blessing, which is hard to, to grasp when we have a good desire that is not fulfilled or we're struggling to, to love the people around us well. But I think we can, you know, rest in just a confidence in God's goodness toward us. Well, I'm curious to know what you think of this. Juana Inez is sometimes called the first feminist of the Americans, the first female theologian. And what do you think that we can learn from her Mm. as, as people from the Americas today? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, first I think it's just important that, our conception of the saints and of the Christians who have gone before us reflects the true diversity of the kingdom. And that if the people we are lifting up as saints only look a certain way or come from only a certain type of background, then we're actually missing out on the breadth and depth of of God's people and of the kingdom. I also think that, I mean, we can't forget that she was pursuing this knowledge in 17th century Mexico. This was a time when women weren't really expected to gain an education, to necessarily be taught how to read and how to learn. Juana Inez presents this counter <laughs> to any any sort of embedded belief that women should not invest in developing their minds, um, that that's not a worthy pursuit for them. And even so, I think that we still contend with this ingrained belief that maybe that's not what women need in the way that men do. And I just think that that's wrong. <laughs> and that and that um, Juana Inez uh, challenges that in a really helpful way. Yes. Well, thank you for talking to me about Juana Inez, our great sister intellectual yes. from the 17th century. I'm, yeah, thank you for <laughs> elevating her her life story. Some people are just born with one all-consuming passion, aren't they? I'm captivated by this little Mexican girl born out in the middle of nowhere, so obsessed with the life of the mind that she found her way to pursue learning, despite all the obstacles of time, place, gender, and privilege. She reminds me of the second-century preacher Irenaeus, who said, The glory of God is a human fully alive. Even though Juana Inez was silenced in the end, she was fully alive, wasn't she? You and I can speak her name, can give her a voice, this first woman theologian of the Americas. Let us celebrate the gifts in the people all around us and see in them the glory of God, fully alive. Thank you for joining me today. I'm Karen Wright Marsh, and I'm the Executive Director of Theological Horizons, a ministry based in Charlottesville at the University of Virginia. I'd love to hear from you. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Theological Horizons. Come by my website, karenwrightmarsh.com. 
You'll find out more about the Vintage Saints and Sinners podcast, get show notes, and learn about my book, Vintage Saints and Sinners. You can download free printable study guides for your small group or just for yourself and keep the conversation going. Thanks to the generosity of the Lloyd and Vivian Noble Foundation and to the Friends of Theological Horizons. I hope you'll support the Vintage Saints and Sinners podcast with a tax-deductible gift to Theological Horizons. Go to theologicalhorizons.org slash giving or donate on Venmo at theological-horizons. The Vintage Saints and Sinners podcast is produced by Gabriel Hunter Chang. Our music is by Will Marsh of Gold Connections.